0: ready to go when my father, I was 11 years old, says, get in the car. I said, where are we going, dad? He says, I think you're ready. He said, well, for what? Where are we going? He says, just get in the car and trust me, you're ready for this. And he took me to Rocky. Yeah. Any, okay, just the first three rows. I guess you remember that movie? I was uh, going through my, uh, as I mentioned last weekend, I was going through my... Um, uh, attic area, and I brought down some boxes and I found them. I found, do you remember what DVDs look like? Remember? Everything's stream, right? You went to DVDs. I had that box and I pulled out some of those movies, and Rocky was, I sat and watched that movie. And I just remember when my father took me to that movie, and it just—it electrified my heart. It did something. It was just that rise from the depths of you know despair into this incredible moment. The fact you didn't care that Rocky didn't win, just the fact that he went 15 rounds, right? I just look at that and go, I think MVCC is ready to go deeper. Would you agree? When I'm talking about going deeper, I'm talking about going deeper in faith, deeper in the word, deeper in following Jesus, being a disciple, and not just saying that we love Jesus, but we love him by what we do. We show people, just because it's in the depth of our heart, that we really believe that Jesus Christ was alive, that he died on a cross, he rose again, and he lived forever, and he's returning again, and we long for that day, we look for that day, and until that day, we want to grow down into deep roots, so I really feel like God... Over the Holy Spirit, the last couple of years is stirring something up we 've been through a difficult two and a half years, but I just believe God is using all that to bring about this massive massive revival, an awakening back to Jesus Christ, an awakening for people who, yeah, I knew about Jesus when I was a kid. I used to go to church. I got burned by the church. I had a bad experience, or I don't even know anything about God. I just know there's a longing in my heart. There's something that I need to fill this empty space. And God brings His Holy Spirit to the church, and there's a revival that starts to happen, where we as a people of God love God all over again. We start looking at our life, and we go, wait a minute. I thought i Really love Jesus with all my heart. But God, there's so much more. I want to go deeper. I want to go to a total surrendering place, God, with you. And God brings His Spirit into the church. And I will tell you that I believe it starts with the pastors. I believe it starts with God's leaders. We need to humble ourselves. We need to get together and pray and seek the heart of God together, cross denominational lines Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Calvary Chapel, Saddleback Church, Calvary uh, Community Churches. Pastors getting together and saying, let's get on our knees and do what great, 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 great grandpa did. Let's try praying. National Day of Prayer is next Thursday. This coming Thursday is National Day of Prayer. It's one day that the President of the United States way back about 40, 50 years ago, the president determined there was going to be one day we're going to pray. President Reagan put it into Congress. It was written down. It is May 5th, Thursday. So here's what I want you to do. Take out your phone right now. Please. Y'all got your phone. I know you have your phones. And if you don't, you can take out the little card in front of you and just use that as a note tape. Please take out your phone. Please just put in your calendar. Thursday, May 5th, 6 p.m., National Day of Prayer. Now here's a really cool thing, is that this, the city, um, particularly our mayor, is a strong believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm just so grateful for her because she's so bold about her faith and she stands up for what is right. And they have given us favor, the city, to use the soccer field, a public soccer field on the corner of uh, La Paz and Margarita. It's the Norman P. Murray Center. If you drive in and you see the soccer field behind there, they've given us the use of the soccer field for one hour just to have an open prayer meeting. So look, here's how I feel about this. Christians should be the one to fill that place. I mean, if we don't, if we don't use what's offered to us, it may be taken away one day. And if the government says, you can pray, who should be the most the the biggest gathering of people praying to the one God we're not going to pray to any other God but Jesus Christ now everybody's welcome but this is a meeting for Jesus Christ here's what we're praying for we are absolutely praying and convinced that God wants how many believe God wants to make a huge breakthrough in this area for God I'm not interested in having church services, feeling good about ourselves, have our Holy Spirit on, wow, I really got my worship, now I'll just go about my life, and just having a Sunday morning experience, I want a 24-7 God experience. And I want everybody in our city to know, look, I realize how it is that we're gonna get into this familiar story maybe some of you of the parable of the soils. Not everyone is going to accept Jesus, but I want everybody to have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. And God is the only one that can work in the heart. So we gotta see breakthroughs spiritually, emotionally, physically. We wanna see God do some amazing things. And I just believe there's no other, there's no plan B. Jesus says, my house, my people, should be a house of prayer for all nations. That's everybody, baby. Everybody get together and we're gonna pray. So I've invited all the pastors within our city of Bible believing churches. I'm just hoping and praying and trusting that today they're gonna say, Hey, look, we don't want you to you know, if you have it in your schedule, can you come to a prayer meeting over there in La Paz and Margaret? No, we're going. We're all going. Come on, we can all give one hour, amen? So we're gonna be there, we're expecting God to do something and he may break through the heavens and do something in that hour or he may not, but we trust him. We trust him for his timing and what he's going to bring. I so much want you just to join with me and believe that God can bring a revival, man. Before I go to heaven, I want to see a revival here. I want to see an awakening. I want to see thousands of people not just come to church, but come to Jesus and grow deep roots down in their heart where they're living for Jesus until he comes a second time. All right, let's all, we can just go home now. No, (laughs) open your Bibles to Luke eight. We're good. I don't either. I'm not done yet. Luke chapter 8, we're just making our way verse by verse through this incredible gospel, this incredible story of Jesus' three-year, I want to say, mission with these men that he handpicked out of the world that had absolutely no second look from society. And Jesus changed them. He motivated them. He changed their hearts into a force that changed human history. We wouldn't be here today if the 11 disciples, Judas was one that really fell away. 11 disciples weren't passionately pursuing and falling in love with Jesus and doing everything that Jesus asked him to do, asked them to do. And even along the roadside, they fell away. They had their moments. They had their moments of disbelief. They had their moments where they fell back into sin. But God raises us up. He picks, us up. And all he's looking for is the heart. God is looking for availability. He's not looking for everyone who has all the gifts. He's looking for someone. He's looking for one heart, one person that says, God, just use me. I'm not much. I didn't come from anything, God, but you can do anything with me. And I believe that. So here I am, Lord, use me. Now we've seen people accept the Lord. We've seen people come in and out of churches for the last, you know, decade I'll tell you what, one of the saddest things for us that get to, and I say get to, it is a privilege to serve Jesus. We don't do this because it's a job, we don't do this for financial gain or anything, else because we are called to it. We feel this pull, this drawing, this, this is something God, you created me to do. And, and part of that is to help equip you to see the joy of serving Jesus full on wherever God has placed you in society. And I just, say, I just want to return to this place this place of Capernaum. We've been here before. I want you to smell the crisp, cool air in the morning. I want you to hear the noises, the sounds down at the fishing docks of those fishermen that were grabbing their best catch of the day. I want you to see the crowds of people that are swarming, as we're going to read here, from town to town. People are coming from everywhere, and they're coming for one reason, to see this God-man, to see that This might be the Messiah that we heard great-great-great-grandparents tell us about through the old days when we went to Passover and we sat under the stars at night and they would tell us stories about Abraham and David and Moses. And one day the Messiah would come to save his people. This could be the guy. This could actually be him. But I also have heard that he can do miracles. He can change the water into wine. He he can open blinded eyes. He can make the lame walk again. He can give great insight where, where no one has any insight of God at all. And he opens up the heavens and enables us to see the truth. There is absolute. There is truth. And Jesus is it. I'm just so glad that it came in the form of a person. God didn't give us a formula. He didn't just give us five steps. He gave us the person of Jesus Christ so that we can follow him. So right here, we're just gonna take a quick look here. I always wanna do a little bit of background look in our teaching because I wanna, I, I, I wanna experience the Bible. I don't wanna just read it like a textbook. And this is what it, what it would have looked like back in, in Jesus's day, obviously a farming community. I want you to see, in Capernaum, these little towns and villages. They say there was maybe two to 300 people that lived in these little towns scattered around the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to notice up here the hills because beyond these hills was these vast, incredible farmland that went for miles. When my wife said, "Um, I think we should take a family vacation. This is a couple years after we got married. Let's go to Hawaii. No, let's go to Nebraska. Nebraska? What's in Nebraska? And little did I know when we got there, I mean, it's just a completely different atmosphere. The farmland for miles, and you can just see some of the rolling hills, most of it's flat land. My wife grew up on a, in a little town called Kimball, Nebraska, and her uncle had a farm and she was a little girl, she worked on that farm, she experienced all that stuff. And there's just something about the farming community that just hard work, you know, Americana, community, all those things that we kind of in our, oh, my wife says all the time, you're just a city boy. I miss that experience, I miss that. I didn't get to grow up with any of that. That's where Jesus was teaching to. So we're all gonna be farmers, we're all gonna go back to the community, we're gonna go back to the Midwest, we're gonna climb into these pages and see the crowds that are everywhere. Now, when Jesus taught, he was the master teacher. And one of the reasons I think people just flock to him to hear his teaching is because he taught with insight. That's what we're talking today, unbelievable insight. And the reason that Jesus brought such plain truth and such clarity, he used what's called word pictures or parables. Parable, most of you know, just a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. I look at them as windows. They are windows to look through so that I can see truth. That's why in many of the messages that I give, um, I'll, I'll give an experience or a window or illustration or a story to look through. I don't want you to see the story. Wow, that story. I want you to see the truth looking through the window. Does that make sense? And so, Jesus, that was his style. In fact, in the Old Testament, God used that style. Just to take a quick detour here, do you remember when King David got in a mess? He messed around on his wife. He committed adultery. He found himself in a horrible place. And he's trying to figure out, how can I fix this? I got to be able to to fix this thing. So he did did his own little Sheba gate thing. He he, he figured out how he's going to cover up and then it didn't work. So then he figured out how he's going to allow the husband of the woman that he messed around with to die on the front lines of battle. And that didn't work. And he just got more into a deep, deep, deep place of this mess. And so out of God's love and patience and forgiveness, he never gave up on David. The king of Israel did this horrible thing. He's in a mess. And so God brings a man named Nathan. And Nathan didn't come by and say, David, what the heck do you think you were doing? Can I can't believe the dude that? You're, you're, you've fallen into the depths of, you, this, is, this is far more than, than, than what you experienced. David, there was a guy came into the sheepfold and he ransacked and he stole a bunch of sheep from the local sheep herder. What do you think should happen to that man? Well, that man should be punished. He should. Be, and he went on and on. David, you're the man. See what happens in a parable is David finally came to a place. Oh, I'm convicted about my sin. I'm convicted of my wrongdoing. And David repented, he gave his life back to God and God can use anything, nothing is wasted. God can use anything. That's the most encouraging thing about Jesus is he loves us without limits. He never ever turns his back on us even when there's moments that we turn our back on him, amen? So with that farming community and the the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum, lots of activity, lots of movement, let's climb in to the story that Jesus tells In Luke chapter 8, we're going to start just in verse 4. So one day, Jesus told a story, a parable, in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns just to hear him. And so a farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Another seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died, wilted and died in lack of, for lack of moisture. And other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it, choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile, fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much had been planted. And when he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's that's a word for the church today, amen? We wanna hear the word of God. We wanna understand, we want insight. God, what are you saying to me? And his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? Now, we're gonna get to this, but I just want you to see the scene. There are crowds, hundreds, some commentators, maybe even thousands of people now. Jesus has finished the story. He takes his disciples kind of off to the side and he has a sidebar with him. And then this is what he replied. You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. Now this, I got to just stop here for a second because it seems a little confusing. Did you? I hope you're a little confused. You should be. (laughs) Jesus, what do you mean? You didn't want people to understand? You didn't want it to be clear? Here's the context. For years, Israel had had the word of God, prophets, that tell them that the Messiah is coming. Some of them would not receive Jesus as the Messiah. They would not believe that he was the one that came from heaven to save not only Israel, but the entire world. And so because of their stubborn, hard heart, Jesus says, I'm telling stories, but they're not gonna get it because they refuse to believe. Does that make sense? It's not, it's, Jesus is not saying, well, I don't want them to believe. It's just because of the condition of their heart. They won't believe, and I can't force. God will not force anybody to do his will. He invites us. He woos us. He brings by his Holy Spirit this, 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 this invitation to come, listen, and follow, and obey. Does that make sense? Okay, this is the meaning then of the parable. He's got his 12 men right there. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. And the seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded, choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil, here we go, we want good soil, right? That's where we all want to be, represent honest, good, God-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produced a huge harvest. No one lights a lamp, then covers it with a bowl, hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is its secret will eventually be brought out into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Isn't that encouraging? More that we listen and we seek knowledge and want, yes, God, show me more. He will do it. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. And then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get him to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Oh, that's so good. It's so good. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Holy Spirit, give us insight. God, we pray for more than just insight. Move us to action. Move us to change, God. Challenge us. I, I, I don't want us just to hear, but I want us to be challenged to do something, God. Pray that our ears, our eyes are open now. In Jesus' name, amen. The seed is the word of God. Throws the seed out, the sower. And of course, the soil is now representative of the heart. Jesus went through real clear here. The footpath is that we call this the stubborn heart. And the stubborn heart is that those seeds that fall on the hard ground, the hard soil, there's no root, can't take any depth. And the devil comes and he steals it away. I remember when I was sitting in a youth ministry class years ago and the youth pastor that came in to do a one-day class, he talked about he was doing this big youth rally. And after the youth rally, he had... 600, 700 kids and their high school kids. After he gave the word, he just gave it everything he could. As soon as those kids went out and they were responsive, the students were very responsive of what God was doing. Some received Christ, some had said, I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ. And as soon as those students leave that audit, led that auditorium out the back doors, he literally saw a vision that God gave him of the devil was standing right above those doorways and taking the word out of the kids' hearts. That is the enemy that we have. Our children are, are, are susceptible to what the enemy wants to do. And so what he's saying is we don't want any of that seed to fall on the footpath, that stubborn heart, where there's no conviction. There's, there's no repentance of sin. You know what scares me the most about churches in America today? Some churches, we're not preaching conviction. We've we got to change we, we need change. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But there's something about, we don't want to just feel good about God. We, God, change my heart. Show me where I need to change. Conviction and deep repentance is where we need to be because that's where the depth comes. Amen? Number two is this, the rocky places. The rocky places are those sh- places of the shallow heart. The shallow heart of There's no real depth to that heart. The crevices don't run deep. There's no place for roots. People can get excited, they can get emotional. Oh man, we just love the anointing. We love the church. We love the music. We love the facilities. Incredible children's ministry. Our kids are so happy here. And we just we just love it. And as soon as there's trouble, we're gone. It's all built on emotion. It's built on an experience rather than the deep conviction of I'm not leaving Jesus Christ, whether it's a good sermon today or a bad sermon or the music was off or the lights didn't work or the parking attendant didn't show up. I'm not leaving because the, deep, the depth of the roots that I have are deep down in here. All right, number three is this. The thorny, strangled heart. This is the saddest one to me the pleasures, the comforts of the world. Ah, you know what? You know, we made a commitment to the Lord last year. We went to Harvest Crusade, gave our lives to Jesus. But you know, it, it's a, such a wonderful day. We're, gonna, we're just gonna go to the beach today. We're gonna hang. You know, I got so much work to do in the garage. I gotta finish this project. I didn't finish my work. I'm so stacked up with work. We're just, and we slowly start to drift away because we bought the $50,000 boat It's not wrong to have a boat, but when the boat becomes my idol and now all of a sudden worship and community and growing deep in my faith with Jesus, with other believers, now takes secondary, that's exactly what he's talking about. These thorny moments, they come into our life and the pleasures and comforts of the world become our God. We must be people that are willing to say, God, I'll put aside the entire thing of, of, of the world, God, so that I can just focus on you. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to have pleasures in life, but those things are never gonna take precedence over my love for Jesus Christ. Never, never. And the last one is what we all want. I hope that every heart is unified. I hope that everyone, I hope there's so much unity in this room about, yes, you know what, Mike? I want that good soil. And we're calling this the submissive heart. This is, this is the humble heart. This, this is not, again, anyone who has it all together because truth be told, none of us do. This is what I call the God-hearted people. David was a man who was after God's own heart. David didn't make every wise choice, but his heart was there. God is looking for the heart. He's looking for soil that can run deep. He's looking for a place that he can plant deep down roots. And what are the purpose of those roots growing down deep so that we can produce the harvest? What is the harvest that he's talking about? Well, in the context of the whole New Testament, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. The qualities of Jesus Christ are growing in our life. Not only are the qualities of Jesus growing there and it just organically starts to happen. You know what? Over the past couple years, we've been praying for that one husband and wife. They live in our condo complex and we've been praying for them. We've been seeing the struggles that they have. We've reached out and got to know them and it just seems like God is bringing things together and now they're listening to the possibility of maybe coming and visiting our church or maybe talking about things of faith. Maybe they're, 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 they're ready to talk about God. So what's the difference? What's the difference between all of these scenarios that Jesus has painted so beautifully in this parable, this window picture for us? And it's, it's just one word. It's so simple and it's so easy to see. For those who know truth, it's so easy to see this. It's the soil. The soil is what makes the difference. If you're sitting here going, gosh, I think I'm at that that thorny ground. I think I'm maybe on that, the seed has been on that hard, rocky place. And where am I? Where do I want? I want so much for you to see so clearly. It's the soil. We have to till the soil. We have to prepare the soil. And that requires us to partner with God. It's not magic. It doesn't just happen. I'm gonna just grow in my faith in Jesus Christ by just sitting and just, you know, putting my, my hand in my navel and saying, oh God, just do it. It's just, it, we have to partner, spiritual disciplines. We have to be willing to put our place. And here's the key that I see we have to be willing to put our place in an atmosphere for growth. It's not all up to you. I don't wanna say, well, you gotta do these 15 things and then you'll grow. You gotta put yourself in an atmosphere so that their growth can happen. Let me illustrate this way. My husband, or my, my husband. <laughs> Jeez. Sorry, Scott. My, my mouth gets faster than my, my head. He called me about, I don't know, 15 years ago and said, hey, could you come out to Minnesota? He lives in Minnesota. He said, could you go out and do my wedding? I said, absolutely, bro. Just tell me. I am there, man. We are like this, my cousin and I. So I, I go out there, my cousin Todd, and uh, fly out to Freezing, frozen, chosen, Minnesota, right? That place is cold, baby. California, Southern California, boy. I'm like, take ten parkas on. I'm like freezing out there. But where he had his wedding, and he didn't, he didn't, ex- you know, explain to me exactly where I would be. He wanted it to be a surprise. So I drive up there. This is before Uber and all that stuff. I drive up there with the rental car, and I see this huge. It was probably twice the size of this auditorium was a huge greenhouse it was beautiful i walk in there and there's this one aisle that's like probably about two rows the size of this aisle going down the entire center of this this atrium there are plants and trees in minnesota tropical plants and of course you know i i love hawaii so i just i am just looking around i am just like this is absolutely amazing so peaceful so quiet, so serene. But the plants and the trees there, the growth, it was just absolutely amazing. So after the wedding, I noticed the caretaker there that was taking care of this amazing place. I just, as most of the people were exiting out on their way to the reception, I just said, how do you get things growing like this? I want my backyard to look like this. What do you do? He says, well, it's not easy. We have to make sure that there's the right amount of sunlight, but to make sure that the oxygen is at the right level. And we make sure that there is enough fertilizer and water. And with all of those components, growth happens. I was like, wow, that that is a word picture for me. God spoke to me in that that wedding moment. God spoke to my heart, my mind about how that's how the spiritual life is. We put ourselves in a place where God can set the atmosphere and then growth starts to happen. So it's not all up to you. You got to do these 15 things. And if you don't do these 15 things, you're not going to make it. And you you better sign up now. You better do all, all that external religious pressure. I don't need all that. I got enough pressure from the world. I got enough pressure from the devil knocking on my door every single day. I don't need pressure inside. There's pressure outside, right? So question am i going to put myself in the right atmosphere so that the soil can be tilled in my heart and be a part of that really good god-centered soil that's really the question this morning i think that's how jesus was teaching this is so simple am i willing to do that now the passion here that we have you know if you're part of our family our passion is matthew 28 18 to 20 Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That that is our passion. That is the directive. That is Jesus' last command to us before he went back into heaven. So it's pretty clear. We are simply here to bring people to Jesus Christ and make disciples who then make disciples. So the question is, that's easy to put on a sidebar. That's easy to put up on a website. Anybody can put nice slogans and vision statements and all that stuff, but here's the question. Are we really going to do it? Are we really going to dig down deep and do what Jesus called us to do? And why would we do that? Because we love Jesus. It's not because, well, I should, I have to, I ought to. It's the right thing to do. We love Jesus with all our hearts. Why? Because he first loved us and he saved us. So Lord, I'm all in. I am just all in with you, God. And I still believe that God uses his people. He uses a a place called the church, the community of people, so that we can grow up in our faith, so that we can fight the devil. So we can bring the greatest news message, the greatest message known to mankind. It is so we can bring the cross to somebody's life. It's so that relationships can heal. It's so that we can have deep, deep family friendships within the church that that are there for eternity. All those wonderful blessings are why? Because God loved us so and he blessed us and now I just want to God love you back. And so I'm willing, God, I am willing now. I want every single one, if you're a Christ follower, I want you to, in your mind, your heart, I am willing, God, to allow that soil to be tilled in my heart. So question, how do I do that? Very simple. We help bring people to Jesus Christ, to the kingdom of God. In this little illustration here, I just wanted you to see, we're talking about the depth of those roots So bringing people to know God, that's our first entry place into helping people to know God. If you're here today and think, gosh, I'm kind of far away from God. I want to get back to God, but I'm not quite sure how to do that. It's so simple. You can give your life to Jesus Christ in a moment. He made it that easy for us. For those who call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And we want everybody to know God. So everything we do at MVCC, number one is because time is short. We want everybody to know God personally, amen? Amen. Second is, if we're really gonna grow down deep, we've got to place ourselves in this atmosphere where I wanna be around like-minded people who want people to know God. I love hearing some of you go, oh, I worked with this person I invited them to the church and they loved our church, the people were so cool, they loved the music, the grounds were so nice, preaching was eh, but uh, they loved the church, they're gonna come back and maybe, maybe they're gonna accept Jesus Christ into their heart. Those are the stories, right, that we love. And like-minded people, we're all together in that. We're unified in that. But what happens after? They go, you know what? I think when Pastor Mike gave that invitation, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. And your friend accepts Jesus Christ right where they're at. Or maybe after the services, something touched them. The Holy Spirit moved on them and tears streaming down their face. And they realize that their life isn't what it ought to be. I need God. And they tell you, I want to accept Christ into my life. And they do that. Next step is we want them to be in an atmosphere where they feel like it's family. Family you trust, family you believe in. Is family always perfect? Do family make mistakes? Do family get sideways? Yeah, but they're family, you stick with them, right? Life group, this is a place where we really dig down and we grow and that really, it doesn't mean we just come to a Wednesday night thing and we've kind of punched our time card. We're talking about getting in relationship with other people. Now, I know for some of us, that's scary. I don't like people. People bug me. I don't, I don't want to be around people. I just want to do my Christian life. I get it. I get it. There are some days, don't talk to me. Don't touch me. I don't want to see anybody. Just want to pull the blinds down and just love Jesus with all my heart. But you can't do that all the time. you got to be forceful about putting yourself in that atmosphere. I'm going. I'm tired of Scott always bugging me about, come on, you guys got to get in a life group. Guys got to get in a group. Why? Well, it's not because we just want to fill some quota. We want you to grow. We want you to find the joy of joining together with others and seeing what God can do. And then as we grow, we're in this, and we're talking about an atmosphere. This isn't like one, two, three steps. It just organically, we want this to happen. Does that make sense? We want you to serve on a team, man. We want you to join the team because joining the team means oh, it's not just hearing, it's doing what I'm hearing. It's experiencing God. When I'm directing cars in the parking lot, we're smiling and it's genuine. And some people come up and they've had... A horrible week all week. Nobody smiles. Negative people. They hate their boss. Going to get divorced. All these problems. And they drive up into our parking lot hoping that there's some kind of hope here. And they see a genuine smiling face. And folks that are on the first impressions team that say, it's so good to have you here. Where are you from? Oh, so, I'm so glad you're here. Let me help you today. Those little things can help somebody to go, you know what? I think I like this. And this is all about God. This is all about Jesus. It's not about us, not about MVCC, not about Pastor Mike. It's about Jesus Christ, him alone. And the joy of serving on team, it's a joy. That's what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about put ourselves in an atmosphere where the soil... You know when you plant some plants in the backyard or front yard or wherever, some of you have that real amazing green thumb we have a guy here on our staff named michael he's been here he and his wife jennifer have been in this church for like almost 30 years i remember when i got saved i saw them and i saw their family i'm like gosh i want to be married like that someday and have kids and christian family and that's so cool he has a green thumb man it's like everything he touches grows around here i'm like gosh i wish i had that when you see pressed down into the soil it's soft it's moist you can just tell it's healthy right that's where we want the heart that's where we want our heart so question before we wind this down is okay i get it i'm real. I'm, i want to put myself in the atmosphere but really what jesus is talking about is the condition of the heart so turn in your bibles over to psalm 119 i'm just going to read a couple of verses psalm 119 verse 12 i love how the bible complements itself the bible all points to the same thing amen so when the Old Testament speaks to the New Testament, the New Testament speaks to the Old Testament. So Psalm 119 verse 12, I love what David wrote here. "I have inclined my watch, this, this is so important. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. When? How long? Oh, come on, louder than that. Come on. No, no, it's nine o'clock service. Come on. How long? Forever? Yes. What to the end? Didn't Jesus say, "I think he said. Those who stand firm to the end will be, yeah. I don't think he was saying like if we falter, we're not going to be saved in heaven. I think there was some context there of the destruction of Jerusalem and all that. But the principle is God wants us to stand firm. He wants us to grow down those roots. So what is it? I have inclined my heart. When your heart... Come on, when, those of you that are married, when you got married, I just, I just performed a wedding yesterday. It was so cool. Is this you know, everyone's just, this is the best you're ever gonna look. This is, the, this is, everybody's happy, spent all this money. They're standing right there. You know, I really wanted to say that. I didn't say that, but I want to say, you know, this is the best you're ever gonna look. I want to say, this should be like a Verizon contract. You cannot get out of this thing. I have never, ever stood before anyone officiating a wedding and not sure that their heart was inclined to that other person. That's where Jesus wants us to be. He wants our heart. And when I've inclined my heart, God says, now. Now I can bring about the growth that I want to see in your life. I just want to put this up here. This is just for free. If you want to write this down, it might be helpful for you. Uh, not that one. Uh, your habits your habits that one we'll get that up in there in a second your habits create the condition of your heart I'm going to let that just simmer for a second your habits create the condition of your heart have you heard follow your heart oh jeez Well, that's not biblical. My heart can lead me down a wrong path. My heart can lead me down a road of sin. My heart can lead me down the road of destruction and pain and heartache. But if my heart is inclined to the word, now I'm in the atmosphere that God wants me to be in. Now, one more verse, and then we'll wind this down. Verse 13 out of Psalm 119. The double-minded, the double-minded uh, not sure. Living two lives. Uh, rocky soil, s- good soil, and kind of halfway. I'm not. Re- the double-minded I despise, but watch this. But your law, your word, I love. Now, what I'm saying is this: How do we do this? Come on, very practical. You gotta hate something in your life. Okay. I know we are not supposed to hate. The Bible says don't hate. I'm not talking about hating people. I'm talking about you got to hate things, certain things in your life that bring you away from that soft soil. It might be a negative person. It might be in a relationship that you're in right now, and you know it's ungodly. You know it's not of God. And there are things going on in that relationship that are so off of God. And God is saying, you got to tell Bobby, take a hike but I just love Bobby, he's just the best ever. We just feel so good on him, we just... Bobby will hurt your spiritual life. He will cause that that soil to harden. You, You gotta do what you gotta do to hate. That bag of Doritos that's sitting on my lap, the nacho cheese, I hate Doritos. I love them, but I hate them, do you get it? Because of what they do to my waistline, my cholesterol. I love Doritos, but I hate it. You gotta hate sin so badly. That you're willing to say, God, I'm willing to forgo this. I'm willing to, to, to let this drop by the wayside because I want soil development. I want my heart to be inclined with you, God. So it's not just, it's not just all about loving God and just making right choices. It's, it's willing to say, I hate this stuff that I used to do and why do I keep going back to it? I got to cut this thing off. That's why community is so important. That's why that second tier here of life group is good because loving people help people. And we get in community, we're helping one another grow. Do you remember a place in the gospels where um, this, this little girl, sad, sad, she had di- died, passed away. And people came running to Jesus down in the streets. Jesus, you can help us. Jesus took, remember Peter, James and John and went up to the tower where she was, her body was there. And everyone was like, who is this? Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just fallen asleep. The Bible says, everybody laughed at him. You remember that? What did Jesus do the next thing he did? He cleared the room, right? Peter, James, and John, you stay here. I need everybody out of the room. I don't know exactly why he did that, but I gotta believe where there's unbelief and and opposition and negativity, that's not good because that sows seeds where it can be a detriment to the good soil. And of course, Jesus raises up this little girl from the dead. Sometimes we gotta move to a different place a few weeks ago, I had lunch with a guy. He doesn't go to our church, but he was just talking about his place where he worked and hated this person and this person and this person, and this person couldn't do it right. And my boss is always on me, just negative, negative, negative. And in my spirit, cause he wasn't a Christian yet. So I can't be like telling him what to do. I just was, man, how sad this is. But what, I, what happened to me is after I left that meeting, I was like, I feel down. Negative people, people who don't bring about your best, who don't bring about the good soil. I'm I'm not saying you need to go, well, guess what? I'm not gonna hang with you anymore. You're out of my life, baby. But we slowly start to distance and pray for that person. What I'm saying is this, you gotta make some tough decisions. You gotta make some hard decisions. Who are you gonna follow? Where are you gonna go? Are you gonna let the soil be moist in your heart? The thing I found out this week, Henry Ford had a dream of building this gas-powered car, this gas-powered engine. And everybody around him, I did not know this, thought it was a bad idea. Negative, this will never happen. What are you talking about, gas-powered automobile? He almost quit. Henry Ford almost quit. Thomas Edison visited him, came and looked about his dream on these drawings, on this piece of paper that he had. He heard about the dream that, that, that Henry Ford had, and Thomas Edison introduced Henry Ford as, this is the guy that's going to build the very first gas, gas-powered car. Because he sewed into his heart, Henry Ford didn't quit. We wouldn't have automobiles if it wasn't for Henry Ford. Friendship with the right people who lift you up, who encourage you, don't leave you, who says, I'm sticking with you through thick and thin. That, that's what Jesus says. You want to build things, uh, that atmosphere so that your heart can grow. About seven years ago, God had really pressed on my heart. National Day of Prayer, we need to get every Christian out there praying. But I'm not the pastor of every Christian in the church. The church is in Mission Viejo. So how are we going to do this? So I started contacting pastors. When I started contacting pastors, I had some of them didn't answer my phone calls, didn't answer my emails. And I explained, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to get together and pray. I had one guy tell me, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'm just going to say it. He said, we don't take communion the same way you do. We're not coming. I'm like, oh, Dude, that hurts my heart. I had some pastors write nasty notes, laugh at me, say, what are you, what are you doing? This won't work. The city won't let you keep doing this. What are, you, what are you having a worship choir for of all these churches? It's dumb. Not everybody said that, but I experienced some opposition. If I would have listened to all that, right? I'm just, I'm not, I'm, there's nothing special about me here. I'm just saying, we all live in the same world. We all have the same kind of circumstances, just different atmospheres. If you give up and say, nah, I don't think so, you're missing an opportunity for God to dig down deep into that good soil and till the soil so that you can keep growing and stand firm to the end of the kingdom. Last thing and then we're done. Oh my gosh. Acts chapter 3. I love this. Peter and John. Peter and John, just on the heels of the resurrection, they're with Jesus for 40 last days, sitting on the beach with Jesus, eating meals, eating meals looking into his eyes, remembering the past experiences of all these miracles and healings and how Jesus f- called them to follow him, change their hearts. I mean, they are just basking in the glow of that. And the only thing that they, their only response is not just to hear the words, but to do them. So they're walking by the city gate in, outside of Jerusalem and they see the same beggar every single day. Everybody knows him. Everybody knows the same guy who begs. Some of those people that stand on the off-ramp and hold up signs, I recognize that guy. Silver or gold, can you please help? Alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. Peter scratches his head, pulls down into a shroud, opens up his pockets, and says, man, we're just poor preachers. We, we don't have anything to give you, but what we give you we give you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk you know I never saw this before but if you read a little bit just inside that text a little bit deeper into that good soil it says that Peter got down and actually lifted with his hand lifted the man's hand up he received What God had for him because somebody else, somebody else was willing to lift him up. Why? Because Peter and John had good soil. The heart. Amen? So what's it going to be? Right now, where's your heart? Well, I accepted Jesus. My heart's good. No, no, don't do not do that. Please don't do that. I, I want you to just go down deep now and think, how's my heart right now? Is it bitter? Angry? Resistant? I'm right. They're wrong. I'll never let that happen again. only for the sake of our heart, but for the sake of others around us who need Jesus. So God, I just ask in this quiet moment of communion, as we remember your greatest act, that you would lay down your life, God, for every single one of us. Retill, God, the soil of our heart, whatever you need to do, Lord, to bring that softness, humility, that submissive heart. Oh God, I pray that you will bless us now in this very moment. God, whatever we need to hate and push aside, give us the courage, God, to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to give you a few quiet moments back in front of you there's some juice and some wafer there for you just to do what Jesus told us to do to remember him so music's going to play for a few moments and we just want you to think about the cross think about Jesus all that he's done for you thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. we'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time